Thank you, Tom. Good morning. How's everyone? Uh, last week we talked about the journey of the Magi, this uh, incredible journey that the Magi took three months out of their life, this hard journey uh, to go and see something new, that God was giving birth to something new in the world, to see this Christ child. Uh, today I want to continue this um, theme of journey and kind of look a little bit through the biblical story around the idea of journey, the idea of desert, the idea of calling. Um, so I'm in Genesis 12, where God calls a person and invites that person into a journey uh, to do something new. It says, the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God shows up to this man, Abram, and he says, go on this journey, and there's no guarantees, there's no clear answers, there's no uh, definitive understanding of what that looks like other than I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Uh, the call God invites each of us into is to go on a journey to be a blessing to others. God promises Abram, all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. And this was the beginning of the story of Israel. And th this is a sojourning people. This is a people who are constantly on journey, and uh, it goes from Abram to uh, the people of Israel end up in Egypt in slavery, and from slavery they br they're brought out to the land of promise, but it took them 40 years to get there, 40 years through the desert. Um, when I was thinking of this, uh, I remembered reading this book, Honey from the Rock, by Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, uh, and that he had this great quote on the desert experience, and as I was looking for it, I just felt like, hey, he, he tells this story of journey and pilgrimage and sojourning so well, I want to read this to you before I show you that quote. He says, Abraham, our father, was simply told to leave. Go forth from your land and from your kindred and even from your father's house to the land I will show you. This is the setting out, the leaving of things behind. Leaving the social milieu, the preconceptions, the definitions, the language, the narrowed field of vision, the expectations. No longer expecting relationships, memories, words, or letters to mean what they used to mean, to be in a word, open. If you think you know what you will find, then you will find nothing. If you expect nothing, then you will always be surprised and able to bless the one who creates the world anew each morning. So it is with setting out on the path of liberation and leaving. He would even have to discover the way he would discover while he was on the way. Of him, it was said, a man who set out and did not know for which place he was destined. And then in the next generation, Isaac had to set out with his father. Take your son, your only son. As Abraham had to leave his father, Isaac must leave his mother. 
And then in the next generation, Jacob had to set out, leaving behind his father and mother and his brother, and Jacob went out. And then in the next generation, Joseph had to set out, leaving behind brothers, mother, and father, and they brought Joseph down to Egypt. And then in the next generation, of which there is record, Moses had to set out, and Moses fled, leaving behind his people, again, another one, alone in the wilderness. Until at last, all the people whose fathers had each set out in their own generation, alone for the wilderness, leaving behind everything, were at long last themselves ready to leave the slave pits. There are great oral traditions about how they had to be tricked and manipulated into setting out. For to be sure, no one who sets out does so eagerly. But the children of Israel set out from Ramses, leaving everything behind for a promised land, but more probably death in the wilderness. Then there is being alone in the most God-forsaken place, where God visits, after all. Leaving one's house and one's parents and one's family and finally the slave pits themselves for a wilderness of no expectations, somewhere where I will learn what I will learn, where I can see what I will be. The wilderness is not just a desert through which we wandered for 40 years. It is a way of being, even if just for a moment, every now and then, each day for it is the only way to begin. And that must surely be why he brought us out there, for there and only there might we be able to encounter the mystery. Kushner tells the story of these biblical patriarchs who all set out on different journeys to follow God's call, and for each one of them, it was a desert experience. But we sometimes need to be pushed into the desert, don't we? Because we don't go willingly into the desert. And as Kushner says, it's in the desert that we're able to experience the divine mystery, the presence of God among us. Uh, then he says this, For us, too, the everyday world seems strewn with rocks. We fear that we have been led out into the wilderness to perish, that our yearning for holiness will be forever unfulfilled. And then at that moment, from something as mundane as a rock, there glistens a drop of that eternal baby food, honey. Even here, there is spiritual nourishment. Uh, th there is always the promise in the desert where it feels like maybe God has forsaken us, that God is more present than ever. Uh, in the desert, God provides honey from a rock. In the desert, God provides water from a rock for the people of Israel. In the desert, God provides manna from heaven, continuing to assure his people he is present to them, he is with them on this journey. In the desert, we encounter the, the divine mystery in our midst. Um, the people of Israel would continue their journey, eventually in the land of promise, but then exiled to Babylon. And we get this, this line. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Uh, something about the experience of desert, the experience of exile, speaks deep into our souls. Uh, so much poetry and songs have been written about this. This line alone has been used by many artists to create their own song. If you uh, haven't heard Sinead O'Connor's 
album theology. It's fantastic. And she writes a song called By the Rivers of Babylon. Uh, eventually, the people would be brought back into the land of promise, but not in the way they had hoped, not in the way they had expected. By the time of Jesus, uh, they may be in the land of promise, but under the rule and iron fist of Rome, and so they feel like they're in a different type of exile. Jesus would show us this way of journey. Jesus was one who understood the path of journey, and Jesus is one who understood the call placed on his life. Uh, Luke says this of Jesus. At that time, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That's the NIV. Interestingly, uh, in the original Greek, the word heaven is not there. But the translators of the NIV said, well, let's, let's make it clear what it means. Uh, and so they put the word heaven in. But a more literal translation reads, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, the question remains, what does taken up mean? just seems for the NIV translators, well, of course it means taken up to heaven. But what many biblical scholars and Greek scholars have said is you, you can't just make that assumption that before Jesus is taken up to heaven, he first must be taken up on the cross. That you don't get resurrection and ascension without going through the cross first. So maybe for Luke, it's both. He just left it out because it's both. Before Jesus was taken up on the cross and then taken up for heaven, he set his face toward Jerusalem. He knew the call on his life, and he knew it led toward Jerusalem and that he must go to Jerusalem, face the religious authorities in Rome, and the cross before experiencing resurrection and ascension. Uh, we're each on our own journeys, aren't we? And in those journeys, we experience the desert and we experience resurrection. Uh, and it's in this journey that often we are able to discern more of who we are, more of who God created us to be, more of the call placed on our lives. Uh, I love uh, thinking of Brian Kaplan's story. Brian Kaplan is our uh, children's director. And Brian was in construction for years and years. He was in construction and loved construction. But he got to a point in his life where he discerned, you know what, I, this isn't what I want to do with my, for the rest of my life. I want to be a teacher. And so he went back to school and got his teacher certification. And he became a teacher and taught at San San Domenico for a number of years. And while he's there teaching, he, he continues to discern his own life and calling. And, and he's like, you know what? I, I still love creating and construction. And I love teaching. How do I put these two together? And he started his own mobile makerspace business. And he travels around Marin and the Bay Area and helping kids create things and build and, and do these kind of things. And he does it every Sunday morning with the Bay Marin children, uh, the next building over. And so he was able to discern through his life these different things that he's passionate about and good at and what he wants to do. And so he, uh, th there's a sense for all of us to continue to discern that and discern what God 
is inviting us into. And often that comes through desert experiences of being uncertain and unaware and uh, often not sensing deeply God's presence. As Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem and ultimately ended up on the cross, even Jesus himself would quote the psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, we're invited into a journey, and that journey is one of often desert experiences, resurrection experiences, discernment, trust, change. For me, in my own story, I, uh, as a like middle school, high school student, I, I had no clear sense at all of what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I show up at college with an undeclared major because I just have no idea. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, uh, I was behind in reading. And so in first grade, I had to work really hard to catch up uh, in my reading skills. And because I was behind and just uh, the way I felt about that, what I decided and what I believed to be true was that I hated to read. I just I hate reading. Uh, and then I got into college and discovered I loved to read. And I loved the great books, the great novels. I loved poetry. And I suddenly declared English as my major, English literature as my major. And uh, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with that. I uh, did not go the teaching route, which if you major in English, you always go the teaching route because you got to figure out how you're going to pay the bills. Uh, I did not do that. And so uh, my mom was like, so what are you going to do with that? And I said, I don't know. I'll work at a bookstore. That made her delighted. Uh, and um, about a year and a half into that uh, English major, um, during that season of my life, I uh, was not, so I, I, let's just say I liked uh, William Blake and Aldous Huxley and later Ramda, you know, the people into psychedelics. So I wasn't particularly uh, close in my relationship with God. I was going my own path. But about a year and a half in, I, I uh, had this experience with God where I can't describe it in any other terms than to say the Spirit seduced me and I could not say no. And through that experience, I, I began studying the biblical story, and I began studying religion and theology, and I was like, I, I love this stuff. And so I picked up a second major. I picked up a religion major. I wanted to keep the English literature major, and I picked up a religion major. So I told my parents, I'm picking up a second major, and they're like, oh, yes, like accounting, right? No, but business, right? You can keep the English literature major, but business, right? Pre-med? Uh, no, religion. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? I just made myself twice as marketable at the bookstore. I can work in the literature department or the religion department. <laughs> Didn't go over well. Uh, but I kept it. Kept those majors. Um, and then in my senior year, this, uh, the college I was at, said, uh, you know, every senior has to do an internship in their major. Since you have two majors, you can just choose. You don't need to do two internships. Just choose which one you want to do it in. So I'd met a young pastor at the church I was attending and told him this situation. And he said, do it with me. Do it in the religion major. Do your internship with me. And so I did. And he kept telling me, you need to go to seminary. You need to go to seminary. And I kept saying, there's no way. There's no way. I'm not going to seminary. Uh, long story short, 
his grandma put me through seminary. <clears throat> um, and uh, I got married to my wonderful wife, Jenna. And we moved into a residence hall, and uh, I was a resident director. Uh, we were living with 120 college students, experiencing life with them. Um, and uh, this young pastor planted a church and invited, in my third year of seminary, invited me to come on staff of this church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so I joined the staff of this church and uh, was on staff for almost 12 years there. And in my time there, I got to uh, do adjunct faculty work at my alma mater while uh, being a pastor at a church. So I got to have one foot in the academic world, one foot in the church world, and just loved it. It was fantastic. And I got to hone my skills. I would, my area was primarily spiritual formation, and um, I got to lead retreats and groups and, and all these things. And uh, near the end of our time there, both my wife and I were sensing that uh, God might be doing something new in our lives and inviting us into something new. And uh, this Bamerin opportunity came up. And if you're new to Bamerin, or uh, if you're old to it, but your memory's a little foggy, my, my family and I came here about uh, just over seven years ago to do spiritual formation work. I was invited to come on as a spiritual formation pastor. That changed rather quickly. Uh, as the former lead pastor, David, David Cobia, left, and I was asked to step in as lead pastor. And I did. And uh, it's, um, it's been something I've just so thoroughly loved to pastor this community. And in, in, over the years, as I've continued my discernment process and uh, paid attention to what makes me come alive, uh, what God is inviting me into, uh, deep in my bones, I know it's those things of spiritual formation and direction and teaching. And uh, being lead pastor, I, it, frankly, I'm, I'm not a very good one. <laughs> uh, I'm not great at running an organization. I'm not great at strategic planning. I'm not great at managing staff. And um, I let the Bamerin board know about a month ago that I would be stepping down as lead pastor of Bamerin. I'd be stepping down sometime this summer. Uh, and I want you to know how deeply I love this community and how deeply I love you and what a great honor and privilege it has been and is to be your pastor. Uh, but what I know is I, I can't continue to keep giving energy to things uh, that is taking away energy from the things uh, that I believe God has most called me to. And a couple of years ago, when I began to notice that my energy, even for teaching on a Sunday morning, was diminishing, uh, and I didn't have the energy I once had and the passion I once had around it because I felt spread too thin uh, in areas I wasn't gifted in. Uh, I knew a change had to come. And while my family and I are still discerning what is next for us, our, our plan is that we will be selling our house here uh, and moving to North Carolina, where I am hoping to start 
a, a nonprofit focused on spiritual formation and direction work. And while I have no plans to go on staff with a church, uh, my hope is that I can network with churches and serve them in those capacities, serve their pastoral staff, serve their people in these ways. Um, I, my own spiritual director who lives in Ohio, he and I have been in contact about ways we can partner together in this work. Uh, he does a lot of this work in Ohio and in other areas of the country, but they have no presence in North Carolina. So uh, we're hoping that that may be something. Ultimately, uh, we need some space to rest and reimagine what it is exactly God is inviting us into in this next season. Uh, we don't have clear and definitive answers. Um, and uh, after communion, uh, the board will get up and they'll, they'll share the process and next steps that the board is discerning for how Bamerin is, uh, as a community discerns next steps. Uh, but uh, a few thoughts to consider. Uh, do not worry. Uh, we've talked about this a lot here. Uh, we talked about it all the way through Advent. Uh, angel appears to Zechariah, do not be afraid. Angel appears to Mary, do not be afraid. Angel appears to Joseph in a dream, do not be afraid. Angels appear to the shepherds, do not be afraid. It, it, all the way through the Hebrew Scriptures, and, and Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Uh, it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. Um, engage. Don't disengage. Uh, I, I've seen this just far too many times when a pastor leaves a church, people start to disengage. Uh, Baymarin needs you more than ever to engage and to be a part of this process. Uh, if you're old to Baymarin, engage. If you're new to Baymarin, this place needs your new life, your new energy to engage and help discern and be present in the process. Uh, trust God in the process and lean into God and what God is inviting Bamerin into. This uh, may feel for some like a desert experience. Depending on your personality, this may feel like a desert experience. It may feel exciting and new and fresh and hey, we get to reimagine what might be next. Um, lean into that and prayerfully discern what the invitation is for you in this season for Bamerin and how to engage well and be present. Uh, this is hard for all of us. This is hard for me and my family. Uh, you, you can't imagine how fun it was to tell our kids we're moving. <clears throat> um, so we would really welcome your prayers uh, for us and our family. Uh, and please be praying for Baymarin and the next steps for Baymarin and this church family. So a few years ago, about three or four years ago, I did this little survey, and I asked people to write down uh, on a piece of paper or a card, uh, what book of the Bible would you like me to teach through? And uh, many of you did that, and I got the results of that. And as a result of that, we, we as a community spent the better part of a year going through the Gospel of John. 
and it was fantastic. I loved teaching through the Gospel of John. It was amazing. Uh, confession time. John came in second. So, kind of as a swan song of sorts, uh, I will teach through the book that came in first. You know what book came in first? Ecclesiastes. So, it's all meaningless. It's <laughs> all meaningless. Um, we will explore the book of Ecclesiastes together and, and uh, <laughs> ask the question, what, uh, when it does feel meaningless, uh, where do we find meaning? Uh, where do we find personal meaning? Where do we find communal meaning? Uh, how do we lean into the one who gives us meaning? As we approach the table this morning, uh, next slide. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Next slide. What is God inviting you, us, to set our face toward? It was the night Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, God took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, thank you for Jesus' presence among us, that you came to show us what you're really like, and Jesus revealed that to us. Thank you for the example of Jesus who set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing what he would face. I pray that you would give us the courage to do the same that you would give us your grace and your energy and your hope for a good future. God, as we come to the table this morning, reveal yourself to us more fully. May we experience your presence filling us up. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A thought uh, before the elders come. It, you may be seated. <laughs> um, I, I was talking with my wife, Jenna. Uh, and she was helping me think through some of the things and uh, ways I could share this morning. One thing, she said, hey, you know, you should really share this with them because they probably just aren't aware or maybe don't think of it that uh, for, for 20 years, uh, I have not had the opportunity to be one of you. Uh, for 20 years, I have not had the opportunity to drive to a church service with my wife and with my family. Um, 
had that opportunity 20 years ago with my wife. I've never had it with my children. I arrive four hours before my family arrives, uh, and then they arrive. And so uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to, get, to be one of you, <laughs> to come to a church service with my family and, and be present with them and, uh, and just explore and dream about what's next. And I am beyond grateful for my time here. I'm beyond grateful for your love. I'm beyond grateful for you and who you are. Um, Ashley's our board chair, and our other elders, I believe, are going to join her up here, and they'll share some next steps with you. This is definitely difficult. Um, we are all very saddened by the news of Matt leaving, um, but we are super grateful for all that Matt and his family have done for our community, for each and one of you, for all of us. Um, this is our board, uh, just so you all know who the faces are, and we are all available for questions to chat, and we'll be sharing some more opportunities um, in a minute. But. We are trusting God through all of this, and we will be celebrating all of the memories and our years together over the next weeks and months as we prepare for the future and what that holds for Baymarin. As you all know that we've been sharing with you over the last year that our financial numbers have been low and our attendance has been down as a church, that will continue to be played into all of our um, questions that we may have and figuring out what our future holds as a church. But we will be trusting God through all of this with all of you, and we have a lot of questions. What is God revealing? What is he leading us into as a church? And um, as we, be we begin this new season, we need all of your help in discerning our future. And we can't do it alone as a board. We need all of you out there as well. And so with that, we will be providing some opportunities in the next two weeks for us to gather as a community and to talk, to share our feelings, to talk about what we're feeling that God's leading us into. And so we really encourage you all to attend those meetings. They're super, super important. As you leave, you'll be getting um, a, a flyer that lists out all of the meetings, and you'll also get an email so you can put those on your calendar. All of those meetings will be here in the auditorium. And, you know, to be honest, we're all dealing with this in different ways, obviously as a board and all of you just hearing this news. So we want to be here for everyone, and that's what we want these meetings to be for and so that we can all share where we're, where we're going to go in the future. Um, but all of this, we believe God is greater and that he's going to lead us into something that is for his glory and for his good. So like Matt said, don't worry. It's just an opportunity to explore and to dream and to, and to discern where God's leading us. But with all of that too, you know, I'd encourage you to think about where does, where does that put you as a member of Bay Marin? Cause we need you all to step up as well. Um, discerning where we're going to go, but we need your help. It can't just be us up here. And so I'd encourage you to really pray and think about that. And where does that leave you and your family as we move forward? So with that said, I think I'm going to dismiss you. Unless Matt will. Thank you so much.
Yeah, sure. Um, and so as you leave, just make sure you take a flyer and uh, no need to RSVP, just show up uh, and the times and, and dates are on there as well. So, Larry. So i just like us to stand up and give Matt a roaring round of applause for his service here for the last seven years. And also, as he stated, he's not leaving anytime soon. I mean, six months is a long time, so I'm sure he'd be loved. He'd love to interact with all of you on an individual or a small group basis. And uh, I have a hunch he's going to be helpful to um, move us towards the next chapter of Bay Marin. Whatever that is, he'll be around. So thank you, Matt, for your love for us and for your gift of uh, um, laying your life out in the line. What a great man. What a great family he has. I can't look at a... In all my years of walking with Christ, which is over 40, I look at his, his, his young family, and it's a, a wonderful example of godliness and um, spiritual goodness and maturity for, uh, that we've been blessed by. So thank you, Matt, again. You're a great man. So as you go on your own journey, and as Bay Marin continues its journey, may you know there is always honey from the rock. There is always water in the desert. There is always manna from heaven. There is always God's grace, God's love, and God's hope. And may you experience that today and always. Go in peace.